If you've got a Bible with you, um, if you'd like to turn to Luke uh, chapter 4, um, and some, if you haven't got a Bible, some of the key verses will come onto the screen at, at the appropriate time, so you'll be able to follow along there. We find at the beginning of uh, Luke, in Luke 4, in the chapter of Luke 4, the beginning of Jesus' kind of ministry here on earth. He was born as a baby and grew up, and then a time came when really it was his time. It was his time to, to kind of almost uh, kind of publicize who he was, what he was about, and his mission really came into focus. And we see in the chapter 4 of Luke, really this kind of moment where Jesus begins what's called his ministry. He's kind of his public kind of declaration of who he is and who he's all about. And in Luke 4, we see really Jesus setting out right at the very beginning what his life purpose was about. He kind of encapsulated, this is what I've come to achieve. So if you, in Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus kind of summarizes it um, in, a, in a sentence, really, when he says, he's speaking to, to those who are in the synagogue, so he's speaking to religious people, and he's saying to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Okay, so Jesus, right at the beginning of his kind of public ministry, is setting out right from the beginning that he is, his call and his purpose is to preach the good news of the kingdom. He's saying, that's what I was sent for. I was sent here to, to declare something of the kingdom of God has arrived, that something different has taken place now that I am here. So there's so many things in, in the Christian kind of faith, so many things in church where there's so many kind of little jargony words and people use them all the time. But actually when you ask people to define exactly what they mean, people can sometimes stumble a little bit and think, oh, well, I, I sing that word all the time and I say it all the time, but when I define it, what does that mean? And I think sometimes the kingdom of God can be one of those phrases. You might hear that said and talked about, but you think, actually, what does that mean? If someone put you on the spot and said, can you define to me what the kingdom of God is? What's it all about? Well, that's really what we're looking to unpack over this term, what it, what it is, the kingdom of God, what, what it was, this chief purpose that Jesus had when he came to earth. We see in, in Luke chapter 4 that actually, if you kind of back up a little bit earlier from Jesus' statement there, he gives us really the, an explanation of what it means to be, to be declaring and demonstrating the kingdom of God. He gives us some kind of outline in both what he said, but also what he did, which gives us indication of what it is to have the kingdom of God coming. So Luke 4 and verse 16, it says this, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as, he was his, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. And he said this, he quotes from Isaiah 61, a prophetic book in the Old Testament. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? This is an amazing moment where Jesus quotes from Isaiah and basically says, you're looking at the physical embodiment of that scripture. He's saying, today, it's being fulfilled in me. I'm coming to usher in a new kingdom. And then if we jump to uh, verse 31 in that same chapter, 
It says he went down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you who you are, the Holy One of God. That's the demon speaking to Jesus, who's the demon who's in a person speaking to Jesus. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports of him went about every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Okay, in, that, in, that kind of, in here, Jesus is setting out a radical agenda. In that chapter, we see kind of both the declaring of this new kingdom that's coming about when he quotes from Isaiah 61 and says, Hey, look, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He says, I've come... So this is effectively, he's setting out his manifesto, as it were. If, if it was, you know, when people are going for, say, like the Labour leadership at the moment, the, the candidates are setting out their manifesto. They're saying, this is what I'm about. If you vote for me and make me the leader of this party, this is the kind of party that you'll get. Well, this is effectively, in a non-political way, in a far more powerful way, Jesus is setting out his manifesto. He takes Isaiah 61 and says, hey, this is what my kingdom is all about. This is what I have come to usher in. This is the kind of thing that's going to happen now that I'm here and I'm going to fulfill this scripture and I'm going to bring in a whole new kingdom. And what's incredible is that in the space of uh, you know, a short period of time, Jesus not only declares this, but he demonstrates it straight away. So it's not just words, it's not just talk. There's action that comes with it. And in this moment, Jesus talks about the kingdom. He says, this is the, this is the characteristics of my kingdom. It's where actually good news is, is for the poor. There's social justice. He says that I'm going to bring liberty to the captives. I'm going to set people free from oppression, spiritual oppression. There's going to be healing, sight to the blind. And, and it's going to be joy. There's going to be comfort. There's going to be a whole new way of living. It's going to come through me. And he starts to deliver on it straight away. I mean, how, how amazing is that? Straight away, he sets people free from spiritual oppression. The demons are, are leaving people, and there's mass healings taking place. Everyone who brought their sick to him, every one of them was healed in that moment. It's quite an entrance, isn't it, of someone onto the stage. He declares it, and he demonstrates it straight away. And what's incredible here is those people that were listening to Jesus, he was speaking to the, in the synagogue to the religious leaders, to the Jews, who knew the Old Testament back to front. They, they, these, they were waiting for a Messiah to come, the one who was promised who would bring in this new kingdom. But the way they were thinking was all about physical saviour. They were th- looking for land, and they were looking for territory. They were looking for someone to restore Israel back from the, the Romans and, and to restore a physical thing. But what Jesus does straight away is says, actually, you know, my kingdom's about something totally different. He says, I'm not coming to restore land and property and places this is a spiritual kingdom. This is about people being set free spiritually. This is about people being finding healing through, the, through, uh, through supernatural means. This is not physical. This is about a spiritual kingdom. And he goes and demonstrates it 
straight away. It's almost like Jesus stands up and says, I'm here and everything's about to change. Your whole framework, it's like I'm the, I'm the one you wanted, but actually I'm different than what you expected. Everything is about to change. Let me just take a quick moment just to, to back up and show you how this kind of moment fits into God's kind of overall plan. And then it helps us to understand where we fit in to what Jesus is starting and declaring here. If we go right back before um, mankind was created, the Bible tells us that Satan was an archangel. He was called Lucifer. He was part of God's angelic realm. But actually, he allowed pride to get into his heart. And the Bible tells us that actually he wanted to be worshipped instead of God. So he rebelled against God, and he effectively was just booted out of heaven. Uh, God said, look, actually, I'm I'm God to be worshipped. But a saint said, no, actually, I want to be worshipped. He allowed pride into his heart. So he he was removed from heaven. And at that point, Satan himself became God's enemy. He actually started to war against God and everything associated with God. And the Bible then tells us that God chose to create the world, the universe, uh, and create mankind. And actually, one of the reasons God created mankind is he wanted a people that would worship him and love him, that he could partner with and pour his love into. And actually, right in the beginning, Adam and Eve are given the, the commission to go and extend God's kingdom all the way across the earth. He told them to go forth and multiply, to, to bring life wherever you go. So mankind is given the authority from God to extend God's kingdom, his rule and reign, all over the earth. It tells us in Genesis that Satan, being God's enemy, jumped in at that moment and tempted Adam and Eve to, to rebel against God. And actually in that moment, what happened is Satan effectively kind of usurped God and he, kind of commit, he took the authority that man had been given from God and said, actually, I want, you can use that for my benefit instead. And so what takes place is this world, which was God's plan to be perfect, to be a place where there was no suffering, no pain, that actually Adam and Eve were to extend God's kingdom, Satan ends up kind of commissioning mankind to extend his kingdom of darkness across the world instead. And that's why we have the world as it is now, imperfect, full of horrors and suffering and sin and people's bad choices, Why? Because actually at that moment, mankind chose not to follow God, but to follow Satan and to be used by him in extending his kingdom. The Bible tells us that God preserved his kingdom and his people through the nation of Israel. But actually, he said, actually, I'm going to set apart this people. They're almost like the carriers of God's kingdom um, in those early years. That actually his presence was with them. He did many miracles. He preserved them even from attack and war. That actually he kept them. They were the carriers of God's kingdom and God's people. And then we enter Jesus. Jesus was sent from heaven, the son of God, left heaven, came to earth to live a perfect life, to die in our place, to rise again. And actually that means that in that moment, the Bible tells us that on his death, he reclaimed back from Satan the authority for the kingdom. Okay, if we read at the end of Matthew, Jesus says to, to the disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and earth is now with me again. I've reclaimed it. I've won it back from Satan. Through defeating sin and death, I have now reclaimed the authority back from mankind. And actually in that moment, what happened was Jesus said, I now want my kingdom. Let's get back to plan A and get my kingdom extended across this earth again. Actually, it's about actually now taking the kingdom of God. And if you follow God, if you come, if you become a Christian, you step into God's kingdom, you now become an agent of extending his kingdom once again across the earth. And actually, that's really where Jesus fits into this picture. He's suddenly now coming 
that Israel have, have preserved the kingdom of God. But Jesus now comes. He takes the authority back from Satan. He defeats sin and death, which were Satan's kind of chief weapons. He's now a defeated foe. And actually, Jesus says, right, let's get back to extending my kingdom across this world. Okay, an incredible kind of moment here. So now for all of us who are in Christ, everyone in this room this morning who would say, I'm a Christian, I'm in Christ, I'm a follower of Christ, we now have in Jesus the authority and the power to advance God's kingdom across this world. That's what the Bible tells us. That's the reality. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, you have now been commissioned with the power and the authority in him to extend his kingdom across the world. That's good news. Yeah? That's good news. But this is a, it's a spiritual kingdom, not a physical one. You see, even in the, in the Middle East now with other religions, uh, you see that the battles that are going on in Iraq through the um, ISIS, and they're, they're looking to extend a physical kingdom. They're looking to take territory, to take people, to wipe out people that don't follow. They, they're looking to extend a physical kingdom. You know, the kingdom of God is not about a physical kingdom. It's about a spiritual kingdom. It's about winning people. It's not about killing the enemy. It's about redeeming the enemies back into God's kingdom where they're always supposed to be. It's not about us reclaiming land back for God. It's about reclaiming people back for God. It's a spiritual kingdom that we're called to advance. So our prime purpose now as Christians is to bring light wherever we see darkness. It's to bring God's kingdom wherever we see the kingdom of darkness. That's actually our prime purpose now as Christians. And that's the real nature of spiritual warfare, a daily reality for all of us who are Christians. We are engaged in spiritual warfare. We are armies. uh, We are soldiers in God's army. That's what we are. Every day we wake up, whether you wake up and think about it or not, as a Christian, you're engaged in a battle. So how do we define this kingdom? What does this kingdom look like? Well, over the, this kind of term, we're going to really explore that. We're going to pull out each of those themes that, are, that Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61 and look at what does it mean for the kingdom of God to mean justice? What does it mean to bring joy and comfort and healing and deliverance? We're going to look at each one of those things. But just, just as a broad kind of definition, we could define the kingdom of God really as the rule and reign of God over people's lives. His kingdom, where he is the king. Or it could be said that when someone or something comes under the lordship of Jesus, then it could be said that the kingdom of God has come. When something or someone submits to the rule and reign of God, the kingdom has has come in their life. So, for example, in Luke 10, verse 9, Jesus says, Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So when people are healed from physical illnesses or mental illnesses or healed from an illness or disease, that's the kingdom of God coming because... Sickness and disease and suffering are darkness. They're from Satan. They're not from God. You won't find them in heaven. Therefore, when someone is healed, darkness is gone and light has come. The kingdom of God has come. That, that body has come under the rule and reign of God. That sickness has come under the rule and reign of God and has had to go. Darkness is gone and light has come. Luke 11, verse 20, Jesus says, But if by the finger of God that I cast, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Again, we believe what the Bible tells us, that that we live in a supernatural world, and that actually through Satan and the demons who are other angels that have fallen with him, that people can be oppressed spiritually by powers of darkness. Um, Actually, as Christians, we have the power and authority to see those things broken and go in the name of Jesus. And when that happens, the the kingdom has come. 
Darkness is gone and light's come. Okay, it's the kingdom of God coming, his rule and his reign. Someone called George Eldon Ladd puts it this way. What is the gospel of the kingdom? It is this, that God is now acting among men to deliver them from bondage to Satan. Or to put it another way, Jesus came to set people free from slavery to Satan. In that moment in in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and effectively just joined his army instead, what happened was mankind was just set up as spiritual slaves to darkness. Born into that place now where, like it or not, conscious or not, actually you're now slaves. The world is now a slave to darkness. That actually we're just following that thing. But Jesus actually came to set us free from slavery to sin and to death. That's what the Bible tells us. He came to set us free from slavery to darkness. That actually when he's quoting from Isaiah 61, he's saying he's come to set us free from sin and death which clearly are the big ones. That's the big thing that separates us from God. But it's more than that. He's come to set us people free from injustice, from sickness, disease, from demonic oppression, from fear, from distress. He's saying, I've come to set the spiritual slaves free. That's what I've come to accomplish. And so actually that's what it means to have the kingdom of God come, to see people set free from slavery to darkness. And, and actually, when God's kingdom comes, it brings a whole different atmosphere with it. Because what you find when God's kingdom is coming is you find freedom. You find joy. You find comfort. You don't find a perfect life where everything is all easy and com- all sorted. But actually, you suddenly find a different atmosphere. You talk to someone who's been freed from demonic oppression, and they'll tell you, I feel free, a sense of freedom that I never felt before. You talk to someone who's been healed, and they'll tell you that something's changed, something's different. When the kingdom of God comes, when you encounter God for himself, it feels totally different. And we can look to see, well, is there an example of the kingdom of God? That would help me to understand what it looks like. Well, actually, heaven itself is where the kingdom of God is 100% evident. Okay, kingdom of God, heaven is where God's rule and reign is 100% without any forces of darkness at all. And so when we look, and we'll look at that at the end uh, of our series, looking at the future, we, we see in heaven that actually there is no sickness, there's no suffering. There's no pain, there's no mourning, there's no tears. There's no people falling out with each other and arguing. There's no rejection, there's no hurt. It's just perfect because we're with God, where his rule and reign is 100% unaffected. There's no powers of darkness to thwart. There's nothing to come in. That is what it means to have the kingdom of God in its fullness. That's, that sounds like a pretty good place to be, yeah? But what God says to us is don't just wait for it when you die. He says, actually, I want you to start bringing that kingdom in now here on earth. That actually you can start experiencing that same culture here now on earth. That's, Jesus said, I died so that you could do that. I died so that not only could you be set free from sin and death and know that you will be one day with me in heaven, but it's bigger than that. I want you to go around setting everyone else free from that same powers of darkness. You know, because so often it's easy for us as Christians to think, well, I know I'm saved. I know that I know God for myself. I'm just going to kind of toot along, do life, and I know that I'll, I'll be in heaven one day. And that's all true, and that's great. But actually, it's so much less than what Jesus came to accomplish. It wasn't, he didn't come just to dish out a load of tickets to heaven. He didn't come just with a, you know, 
like you sign up, you didn't, you know, it's like Groupon, you know, you sign up to Groupon online and they send you an email every two minutes telling you some deal somewhere. It's like Jesus wasn't the first Groupon person. He said, well, if you sign up to me, I'll send you a ticket to heaven. He came not only gloriously to, to do that, to, to, to secure our eternal future, but he said, I want you to start bringing this kingdom in now. You can change the world through bringing my kingdom. You can transform the world around you if only you realize that heaven starts now. Eternal life can start now. In your own life, you can find freedom from everything that's holding you back. But also, you can, I want you to have a passion to bring freedom to the world around you as well. Bill Johnson is an American uh, preacher, writer, church leader. He says it like this. He says, the Lord is calling us to be a people who burn with the will of God. What is the will of God? It is that whatever is going on up there, heaven, ought to be going on down here on earth. And whatever is going on down here that's not going on up there has got to stop. That's good. He's saying that's actually what our, as Christians, we're called to bring in a whole new kingdom, the rule and reign of God in lives, our lives, so that we reflect it to the world around us, so that people look and say, there's something about your life that's causing me to question my belief that God doesn't exist, because there's something different about you. There's freedom about you. There's a joy. There's a comfort. There's a peace. There's power. You know, when you, when you pray, things happen. What's going on there? That's, that's what we should be demonstrating. How? Because the kingdom of God is coming more in our own lives. But equally, he wants to put in us a, an intolerance of the darkness all around us. That we don't just walk around and think, well, you know, yeah, the world's okay. My friend, my neighbor, they seem to be having quite a good life. They don't know God, but they're having quite a good life. I believe that God wants to put in us like more and more uh, an intolerance of the darkness that's all around us. That actually we start waking up in the night crying out to God for the power to see people around us, our friends, our family, our work colleagues, people we don't even know, people in our town, set free from the spiritual slavery to darkness. Because that's what he's called us as Christians to be, to live with a kingdom mindset. You know, I think it's really, really easy that we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. If you're, whether you're a Christian or not, you're either with darkness or with light. That's what the Bible tells us. And as Christians, those of us who are Christians here, we are fighting to bring God's kingdom in. We're in a war. We're in warfare all the time, every day. We have an enemy who wants to take us out, totally take us out. And one of his chief tactics is actually to convince us that we're not in a battle. Because you don't fight if you don't think you're in a battle, do you? And I, I more and more think that actually we as Christians, particularly in the West, where life is very comfortable and very affluent, we live as if it's peacetime all the time. We, we walk around as if it's kind of like, it's peacetime, there's no battle. Yeah, I believe in God and they don't and that's fine and we're all kind of, and life's okay. And when we're like that, then actually we're not fighting any at all, are we? We're just, we think it's peacetime. We're kind of chilled out. You know, we, we wonder why things are a bit difficult, but we never really pray about anything because it's kind of peacetime, isn't it? It's okay. There's not much going on. Do you know how we have an enemy that's trying to, every day to stop you connecting with God and praying? You have, we have an enemy who's trying to stop us reading our Bible and getting nourishment from that. We have an enemy who's trying to stop us getting together with other believers to encourage and support each other. We have an enemy who's trying to take down everything we're doing. And one of our chief kind of problems is I think we live like it's peacetime. We don't fight. There's no battle in us. But we need to live with a kingdom mindset that says, I'm here to, to wage war for the kingdom of God. I'm here to bring in a whole new culture. 
Jesus himself told us to pray, didn't he? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said to us to live with this mindset that says, I am a soldier in God's army. I'm here to advance. Wherever I see darkness, I have authority now in Jesus to see that darkness go and light come. And I want to become more and more a person who's passionate to see that take place. But it starts in our thinking. It starts with our, the way we view the world. And I believe that this is not something we just kind of work up. But actually, it's got to become something that's a prayer in our heart. And I've been praying this myself. Lord, would you do, Holy Spirit, do something in me. Change how I think. Change my perspective. I need you to help me to see the world differently. I want to see the world as you see it, Jesus. I, he doesn't look at the world and see peacetime. He sees light and darkness. When Jesus was here, straight away, darkness went. Why? Because he, he could see it. He could see where there was darkness, and he brought light. And he wants us to see the same thing, to have this overwhelming kind of conviction in our hearts and our lives that I'm here for a purpose. I'm here not just to sit around and wait for heaven. I'm here to see spiritual slaves set free from the darkness that they're living under. And I'm in my own life here to see darkness go, to be intolerant of the darkness I see in my own life where I tolerate sin and, and habits and things like that. I think, no, come on, we're about something bigger. Over the summer, I read, uh, one, on one holiday, I read the, um, bi- one of the, a recent biography of William Wilberforce, uh, the, the great um, British MP who gave his life to seeing slavery abolished and across into the West Indies and, and the slave trade. Uh, an incredible story where he accomplished so much, but what stirred it, he was a Christian, but what stirred it was this conviction in him that I, 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 I cannot bear to think of the conditions that those people are now having to live with in, the, in, the, in the being transported from Africa to the West Indies and then what they're living with the plantation. There was this conviction. It wasn't just like, no, that's not very nice. We ought to do something about that. There was this conviction in him that comes from his gut that was like, that is just intolerable. And he gave his life to seeing successfully the slave trade in that way abolished. That's the kind of thing God's calling us. It might be through those means, but actually through spiritual means. He wants to put something in our hearts and our guts that changes us. I, I felt God spoke to me uh, a year or so ago. It was particularly when we were thinking about our last conference we did last year, which was around things of the kingdom um, but I've, I kind of was, came back to it even recently and just felt God was stirring it again in me and saying, no, this is something I want to put in, in our hearts. And, and I'll just read it to you. And I felt it was something he want, is kind of encouraging us as a church just to really push into. I felt he said to me, I want to stir up in you as a church, uh, as God's people, a cry for my kingdom to break out. You are not to simply seek advice on how to see the kingdom break out, but you are to allow me to place a hunger and a cry in your hearts for it to happen. I want to put such a cry on you that at times it will feel overwhelming. You are to seek me not in a strategic way, but in a heart-filled way. I want to birth something supernatural in you that will be different to anything you've known before, and it will change your perspective on life. It will cause you to see the world through my eyes. Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. That's from Matthew 6. And I believe that even as in this season, that our prayer needs to be, Lord, birth something in my heart. I don't want to just go through life doing the technical things well. I don't just want to be serving in church. I don't want to be just doing, uh, you know, things that I feel obliged to do. I want you to put something in my heart that causes an overwhelming passion to see your kingdom come wherever I go, in my workplace, in my family, in my neighborhood. 
you know, this, this town is only going to be transformed by the kingdom of God coming. If we put God in charge of lives, this town will be transformed. And our call as God's people, not only here, but across the town and all the other churches, that actually there's a trumpet call going up saying, will you fight to see my kingdom come and my will be done? Will you, will you allow me to put something in your hearts that says, actually, I'm no longer prepared to go through life and tolerate all the darkness I see around me. I'm now in Christ. His battles are now my battles. But also his authority and power is now my authority and power through him. He said, will we fight with him? Will we fight in a playground where we see injustice taking place, where we see people, you know, distress and anger? Will we fight where we see sickness and disease, where we see spiritual oppression? Will we say, I'm in your army, Lord? And that's what over these, this, these few weeks we want to just kind of allow God to birth something in our hearts as we go through the different things that Jesus outlined himself about. This is what the kingdom is like, social justice, salvation, deliverance, healing, comfort, joy, all those things that are characteristics of the kingdom. I just want to encourage you to let your prayer be, Lord, birth something in my heart. This is a heart thing, not a head thing. Okay, our thinking has to change, but it changes our heart. That actually something will wake us up in the night saying, I'm no longer prepared to, I want to pray for that person who lives around the corner from me who's, who's dying of cancer. That I want to now pray for uh, my, my family who just fighting and there's just, there's just anger everywhere. That's not, I can bring the kingdom into that situation. We now have to recognize who we are. It's not peacetime, we're in a battle, but you know, we're on the winning side. Let me just finish with a quote from uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a, who's a great preacher in the last century, on this whole subject of spiritual warfare and the bringing the kingdom. He says this, There is no discharge in this war. Whilst you and I are alive in this world, the devil will be there with all his evil and malignity, and he will fight us to the end. He will fight us to our deathbed. Is this hopeless? It's the reverse. It's glorious. We are given the privilege of following in our Lord and Master's footsteps. As he is, so we are in the world. That's from 1 John 4, verse 17. It's a mighty conflict, but I can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I can clothe myself with the whole armor of God. Are you ready for the battle? Are you on the alert? Are you on your feet? Are you just indulging in your weakness, whims and fancies and pitying yourself and grumbling and complaining about this and that problem or situation? Rise up, shake them off, stand on your feet, be a man. Realize that you are a member of this mighty regiment of God fighting the battle of the Lord and destined to enjoy the glorious fruits of, fruits of victory throughout the countless ages of eternity. Have you heard the trumpet call? That's what God's called us to. Let's stand together. Uh, I'm just going to finish in prayer. Time's gone now. Um, and I'll just pray. But I just want to encourage you that if you this morning uh, are a Christian here and you think, yeah, actually, do you know, I've been living like it's peacetime, just ambling along, doing my bit, and I, I need God to wake me up again afresh to, to what he's done, what he's called me to, and how I play a vital part in his process. If that's this morning you feel, yeah, do you know, I just need God to grip my heart again, then I'd encourage you just where you are just to raise your hand, just as a way of kind of opening yourself up to God and saying, okay, God, I need you to do something in me. This is not something I can do myself. It's not about learning something. It's about being changed. Then I believe he just wants to put something in our hearts this morning as we just open ourselves up to him, where we say, I'm available. Come and grip me again. It's not peacetime. It's warfare. 
but hey, I want to bring your kingdom in wherever I go.